Hello, it's Charlotte's sister, C. Farrell, host of Powered by Age, Canada's longest-running senior-led podcast that invites you to do what you love. This podcast is for you if you love writing or telling stories, if you love sharing poetry or doing interviews. This podcast is for you if you love working on ways to create age-friendly cities. This podcast is for you if you love learning how to tame technology and get more out of virtual events, if you love finding more ways to share your heritage or traditions. If you love any of these things, you can go beyond listening and join our weekly podcast group. Simply email pbaafc at gmail.com and put your name in the subject line. Powered by Age is sponsored by the Government of Canada, New Horizons Grant, the 411 Senior Center Society, and GNF Financial Group. Hello and welcome to Powered by Age, Canada's longest-running podcast of senior-led programs. Senior-led meaning it's not just me talking to you or one person talking, but we have uh, seniors that sometimes present part of the story, help research the story, help uh, just make it interesting. So today we are talking about writing. We have uh, some writing prompts that some people have already written something to. We have some music we're going to play so that others who haven't written anything can write something. And then just looking, uh, we have Neil Ryan, who every week, he must be the most prolific poet because we've done <laughs> uh, a whole year of Powered by Age virtually, and almost every week he has a new poem. So uh, before we start our individual writing, we'll just kind of get our uh, get started with hearing his poem for the day. And then also there are two or three people that have already written their prompt. Um, another thing that we do here is called RIFF, R-I-I-F-F. And that is respectful, interesting, informative, friendly feedback. So when people share, we ask one or two people to do RIFF, not RIP. So I think I said I'm Charlotte Farrell, the host of Powered by Age. I am respectfully acknowledging that our podcast takes place on the unceded territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Salem-Wadsworth people, and that we as an entity work toward and being supportive of things that have that land reconciliated, reconciled at some point. So now I will ask you to introduce yourselves, uh, starting with the first person that came on today was Dell. Um, so I'm Dell. I'm from the Sunshine Coast, and uh, I I write for the Critique Group. I um, after many years I finished a full-length novel, and now I am trying to find a publisher for it. So I'm really happy to be here in this group. And my sister Ramona, Dr. Ramona, invited me to join the group. So I'm really happy about that. Oh, we're happy to have you. Um, next, I think, was Neil. Hi, my name's Neil Ryan. Uh, I am a poet. Uh, I have a, I have a book out uh, on Amazon. It's called From the Other Side. It's a book of poetry and and three short stories. Uh, I also have a new book, the, uh, the the Brighton Tarot Card Mystery and other short stories, and 
That's an interesting, a delightful little romp through Brighton, England, looking for a, a mysterious tarot card deck. So, um, and I love sharing my work. So I'm going to share a brand new one. And in fact, it's hot off the press today. So, okay, Leslie. Uh, yes, I'm Leslie Hebert. Uh, I live in New Westminster. And I teach English as a second language online, and I write poetry, short stories, flash fiction. Um, I'm very stoked that uh, I have had a short story accepted into a magazine that they're actually going to pay me cash money for oh. in U.S. dollars. Uh, yeah. And currently I'm writing on a travel memoir about a trip to Japan. And we heard last week, we, we heard a, a, a tiny excerpt that was really uh, had us holding on to the last minute. So we're looking forward to more excerpts and then the whole memoir. Um, Chris? Uh, my name's Chris and I uh, live in East Van. And I'm a member of Corky, the Queer Imaging and Writing Collective for Elders. And so... As part of that group, I do endeavor to do some writing. And for the last number of years, I've been working on pieces um, that I'm hopefully at some point will put together in the form of a memoir. So that's what I do or don't do in my spare time. <laughs> and she's also an activist, a winner of the Order of Canada for, for her activism. Uh, Delsa? Oh my gosh, I am terrified to introduce myself to this group. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I, I, have, I have written stories here and there, like I said the last time. I am actually from Mississauga, Ontario. Um, I am with a group here, a creative writing class that uh, meet uh, on um, Friday, actually tomorrow. I have written something for that group tomorrow. It's about Afghanistan. And I'm just sort of just copying whatever they publish in the newspaper because I couldn't really uh, um, uh, create something from my own brain. So I'm just here to listen to all this talented group. And maybe somewhere along the way, I will learn a lot. And you guys are inspiring. And I could hardly wait every Thursday to join in. Well, welcome. We, we can hardly wait to hear you. <laughs> Oh my God, please. <laughs> uh, Nancy? Hello, I'm Nancy Sinclair and I live on uh, beautiful Vancouver Island, Nanaimo. And I'm a podcast mentor with um, Powered by H. And I have the privilege of inviting people to get interested in the program and find all the opportunities that they can share their gifts and talents and experience. And um, yeah, and it's a beautiful September day as we transition into a new part of the year. Yes, and speaking of transitioning, we have our influencer, <laughs> Dr. Ramona. <laughs> okay. Uh, good afternoon, Ramona. Hi, good afternoon, Delsa. Thank you for coming. So Thank so you nice for inviting and me. So again. happy to see you again. Me too. So, so hello everyone. I'm Ramona, and 
I've been in Vancouver for the past 10 months and in Canada for almost four years. So I'm just trying to get, you know, acclimatized and make friends. And I did do that while I was in Toronto um, with the Active Adult Center, um, where we had a lot of activities and, uh, and I was able to pursue not so much writing, but uh, more of uh, uh, singing, which is also my passion, and teaching um, at the Peel Multicultural Center. Um, and then we moved to Vancouver, where I didn't have a single friend excepting the caretaker and the building. So, and my sister, Del, who lived like almost about two hours away. So, so I, I, I kind of Googled seniors uh, groups and I saw yours and I joined it, but I didn't expect to be surrounded by a whole group of such talented writers like um, um, Dell is there and then Charlotte and Neil. Oh my God, like I'm really scared. And Leslie, the last time, when you shared that story, I, I could just picture that Japanese friend of yours. So so I, I feel a bit uh, diffident about saying that I am a writer because all I've written are very boring textbooks and workbooks in history and French. And I'm looking forward to learning more about writing from all of you. Thank you. You're welcome. Is that everyone? Everyone has introduced themselves. Oh, Jesse. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Jesse. I'm uh, the public affairs and talk coordinator at the aforementioned CJSF radio uh, in Burnaby. I'm also a podcast mentor and sort of technical support person for the Powered by Age podcast. Uh, don't do a ton of writing myself, but I'm excited to hear what all of you have to, to bring today. About Nancy, I don't think Nancy introduced herself, did she? Yep. No. Yes, from beautiful Nanomo. <laughs> she gave us a wonderful travel story and more facts on how you use the fairies. So, Nancy? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, did you? And so, next time around, yeah, no, you're right. I, I um, had to come over to Nanaimo for the day, what it would look like to travel. And when the opportunity presents itself, I just had a, a weekend getaway to Gabriola Island. So I'm going to put together another little travel log on what to do to come to Gabriola and enjoy that. Oh, my God. Absolutely stunning. <laughs> yes, and she also has been talking with, we're looking at all across the country since the, one of the sponsors for the show is the Government of Canada Information and Referral Program sponsored by F&G Financial as well as uh, the 411 Senior Center. So uh, going back to what we're going to be doing during September, it's Savvy September. We have a Savvy program next week where it's going to be intergenerational conversation uh, about issues of what younger and older people feel are election issues, the top three issues, and see where they're similar and also some of the ways we can work together because often the way the media 
presents the two groups or as if they're in opposition to each other. So we know that there's strength in numbers. And so we're going to hear um, that podcast, that program uh, will be live with you being able to ask questions of the presenters and put in your four cents. I know you've got more than two cents, so you can put in however many cents you want to have on this this that particular discussion. Um, and so without further ado, we're going to uh, both hear what people have already written, and then we'll have a pause with some music for others that want to write something for either of our two uh, prompts. The prompts that I gave at the end of last week were either um, imagine that you've woken up 30 years in the future and describe the conversation you have with the first person you see. Or the other prompt uh, uh, offer was to write a silly to-do list for a kid who asks you, what, what can I do for 20 bucks? So before we go to those, we're going to hear uh, Neil with the special poem that he wrote for today, or is sharing it today. I, uh, I'd like to introduce this, uh, this uh, poem by saying, uh, I'm past my 81st birthday, uh, rapidly approaching my 82nd, and spirituality and 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 uh, and and the meaning of life is very much on my mind, and so uh, this poem is called "Darkness Hides." How does the darkness of truth hide from my view? By promoting light with a persona that is not mine. How do the shadows hide from my view? By sweetening the light with delusions of lies that the emptiness can be filled by applause. I alone know the performing monkey who refuses to be loved, holding fast to imperfections to save from crashing to the floor. I know the abandoned waif who fears the illusion offered by ego. Who wants to be loved for who wants to be loved yet for safety denies its worthiness. I hide from my view in a persona that is an invention. A monkey superior at playing the chameleon game. I am not what I appear, but often I am what I want you to hear. And making the light shine so bright that no one can see past into the darkness of my soul. Out of the searching in the darkness comes a glimmer of light. How many of us hide from the real power of ourself in order to, be, to buy love? How many of us deny the adventure of living our true self in order to be loved by lesser beings hiding from their true self in order to be loved by lesser beings hiding from their true self? 
how often have I thrown myself under the bus in a trade for the safety of failure and the promise of love? I can have dozens of excuses, but none of them assuage my anger at the ghost that wrote my beliefs for me. With hands tied by my refusal to play make-believe that life is going to play fair with the next sexual encounter, which, like the last one, was a distraction and not a solution. Asking who I am is like asking which illusions should I choose. I don't know what I want. Which illusion will satisfy the anxiety of my soul? That's kind of open myself to the world that I'm struggling with. Who am I? Why am I here? So thank you for letting me share. Nice. Very nice. That gave me goosebumps, Neil. That was just so moving. And some of the phrasing in that, the darkness of truth really makes us think about things. So thank you. Who am I to change the illusion of, wow, profound, uh, nice. It also resonated with me, both the feeling tone of the way that you read it. It was so pensive, not demanding anything, but just open to exploring those questions. It was beautiful. Okay, so now, uh, I think a couple of you said that you had written something in response to the prompt uh, that we had at the end of last week. Chris? Yes, I, I wrote something. Um, the, I think the word I missed out of your reading the direction was conversation. But I wrote something about waking up 30 years, 30 years into the future. So um, it's mostly my own sort of ruminating, if you like. So I'm... It's not very long. I'm happy to share it. Let me just find it here. It's called September the 1st, 2051. Wow. Are there really still people living on this planet? I can hardly believe that there were enough governments and people who took climate change that seriously. After all, the target was 2050. And here we are in 2051. We actually reached carbon neutral. 30 years ago, there were people who believed that climate change was a conspiracy. I think they were probably the same people that decided that the COVID-19 pandemic was also a conspiracy. I have so many questions. Are there still glaciers? Did islands disappear? Did the pandemic really change how countries work together? Back in the day, there was still so much self-centeredness. Rich countries brought, bought up all the vaccines. 
even though the World Health Organization urged countries to contribute funds to assist in the global response to the pandemic, the goals fell short of what was needed. Then on the individual level in Western countries, there were those who refused to do simple things like wear masks, vaccines developed, developed, refused to participate. Know why? They were protecting their right to make their own choices. They weren't going to be dictated to by any government. Then there were countries spending millions, billions to send rockets up into space, landing on the moon, heading for Mars. What happened to turn things around? How long did it take for people to wake up? How many people and countries have been lost? I know that the younger generation was becoming involved. Is that what made the difference? Whatever it was, I wish I had lived through it. Often I was relieved that I would miss the worst, was glad that I didn't have any children. I thought that the small things I was able to do wouldn't matter. I had little hope that humanity would be generous enough to be concerned about the common good. I'm relieved to know that I was wrong. I'm looking forward to learning how to live in this new reality. Wow. <laughs> Phenomenal. The comments? I think mine is very similar, actually. I have a lot. Of, mine is just a list of questions. <laughs> Well, the first thing that I thought of was, was when I woke up would be, where the hell are my glasses? It's good, too, that so many people's projections are of the worst case scenario for the future. So yours were really a positive case. So thank you for sharing. Um, Beautiful. Thanks, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Makes it's me a lot hopeful. of for reflection. Okay. Mm. Uh, Leslie? Yeah, this one's called Questions for 2051. Are we still here? How did we survive? How hot was it this summer? How much does it cost for a loaf of bread? for a pound of potatoes, for a pound of grapes. Can we still buy grapes at the store? Are there still stores? Can I afford an apartment in Vancouver? Is Vancouver still Hollywood North? What is the name of the latest Star Wars movie? Are we still fighting wars? Have they eliminated COVID-19? Have they eliminated ignorance? Have they found a cure for the common cold? Oh, worthy questions. Mm -hmm. I, <laughs> oh. I like to Vancouver still Hollywood North. <laughs> I like, can we afford an apartment in Vancouver? <laughs> yeah. I barely do that now. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And you look around and there's more people than uh, buildings. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, like three more billion people in 30 years, maybe more. I think one of the things that this prompt did for me was because, you know, in a bit like Neil mentioned, you know, given his age and and his reflections and so on, that that um, thinking about here we are and and 30 years into the future and this whole these whole um, goals of 2050 and we're not we're not going to be here most likely. So it's it's kind of interesting to think about what might transpire in the in the interim um, and what might still be there or not. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a good activity for for really seriously thinking about hmm, how can what I'm doing now affect what people will find, you know, 30 years from now. And then that question about uh, housing, that that, that you should have a, a group of real estate people and investors have to answer the question or write to, you know, what's the state of housing and, and real yeah, estate yeah. <laughs> in yeah. this 30 years later? How do my policies today, you know, reflect on how they might be affecting people 30 years from now? Yeah. My son will be alive and I will come back from the dead and ask him. <laughs> uh, and then I thought, is it, Delsa, do you do uh, fitness or workshops? There's someone that called from Ontario that said that they do cheer exercise and some movement or exercise or health work. Uh, you're talking to me, right? Yes. Yeah, I am a yoga teacher, and I also um, practice meditation because uh, I was at the Buddhist temple literally for two years, and I learned meditation firsthand from the Buddhist monks. So if you like, like down the road, I could maybe um, uh, present maybe a five to ten minute uh, one of those uh, modalities. Yeah, I don't mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might be a good pitch for doing some of those things on, you know, if you want to hit close to 30 years from now, here's some, <laughs> <laughs> some things that you could do from the mental and physical standpoint. Yeah, that would be great as we're in uh, doing culture days. The theme is reinvention, reimagine yourself. So yeah. we're going to be looking at reimagine yeah. yourself creatively, but also physically. So talk yeah. with you about one of those days. Yeah, even with the start of your Thursday program, Charlotte, maybe about three to five minute meditation, just being in the moment. Yeah, just to... To, to ground yourself and it makes a big difference yeah meditation five minutes you have no idea what it does yeah yeah oh yes i, I have a, a brother who's dealing with a very critical health issue and what he does to keep away the anxiety is just meditate yes. before he goes yes. to sleep or periodically yeah. during the day yeah 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 like neil was saying you know like 81 going to 82 your main concern is to be calm and being spiritual because at the end of the day, it's always the mental energy that you need to get this body going. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the body will just <laughs> be gone. But if you are mentally active, then somehow that energy, right, 
will transform into physical energy. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I think that's important because we get bombarded. There's some research that says when it's thousands that we're bombarded with the thousands of different ideas daily, maybe even larger, but at least a thousand different things. So taking time to be grounded in ourselves, you could just yeah. be caught up in the sway of the <laughs> ideas to the left, ideas yeah, to the right. Yeah, it's not ideas, it's negative thinking, 64,000 yeah. thoughts a day. That is a lot, and you don't have control over that. So I think the, the key is just to, 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 to be grounded and let it go through and just uh, don't worry about it. Like, you know, whatever we are ne- whatever negative thinking, uh, you know, goes into the head, you just let it go. The Buddhist monk said, let it go, let it go, let it go. So I used to tell them it's easy for you to say you live in the cave for 30 years by yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Am I supposed to do that? I live in an urban (laughs) city surrounded by noise and chaos, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of of letting it go and reflecting, we're going to do... um, well, that since two people have written to the other prompt, that we're going to take uh, have some music and have you write uh, maybe to that second prompt. I mean, you could still write to the first one, but the second one was just making a silly to-do list for a kid uh, who's asked you, what can they do to earn $20? So uh, Jesse Maestro has some music, and we'll just... Uh, oh, and we'll exercise our hands. Everyone lift your arms, your fingers, squeeze your hands, shake them, wave them in the air like you just don't care. <laughs> okay, so yeah. now we're getting warmed up and ready to to write. Yeah, deep breathing in between. <laughs> yeah.
That was uh, The Old Mother of Aziz by Robert Farmer. Beautiful. That's beautiful music. Okay, so who wants to be the first to share? <laughs> I could. Okay, Dale. I did go for silly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm talking to an 11-year-old boy that, um, you know, wears the kinds of pants that little boys wear that are baggy and almost falling down them. So I start off with, first, pull up your pants. I don't care to see your underwear. <laughs> and here's my list. One, here's a pumpkin. Cut it in half. I'd like you to remove every seed, wash them, and get them ready for the oven. And quit rolling your eyes so they'll get stuck in the back of your head. <laughs> Two, yes, you're looking at a freshly slaughtered chicken. Pluck all feathers until the chicken is bald. Kid, stop giggling. Stop gagging, I meant. <laughs> Three, Take my dog for a walk and be patient while he stops a million times to mark his territory or sniff at something interesting. Do not tug at his leash too much. He bites. Four, give my hair a trim and stop looking shocked. You've, you've used scissors before, haven't you? Cutting hair is not much different from cutting out paper shapes. I see you've got a steady hand, and that's more than I have. Five, go through the shelf in my kitchen cupboard and sort through the 50 coffee mugs I've saved over the years and don't ask why. Yes, I only need a few mugs. Choose five mugs you like best, except the one with the frog handle. I'll keep that one. Six, phone my cranky neighbor and tell him you're about to deliver a pizza. Hang up quickly. And thanks, kid. I've always wanted to do that and never had the nerve. <laughs> what? You say? It's too much, you say? $20 for all that, you say? When I was your age, stop rolling your eyes. When I was your age, $20 was a lot of money. Okay, kid, forget it. Just put out the trash, mow the lawn. Here's the 20 bucks. Have a good time. Thank you. Oh, wow. hey. That was great. <laughs> oh, done. That was very good. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I like lighthearted. The, the prank phone call. That was the best. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so fabulous, Del. Love those. I, I love the thing with the mugs because it made me think of hmm, how many favorite mugs have, will I have at the end of years. Oh, I, I think that would be a great list to publish. You know how Reader's Digest used to have the humor pages. There are probably other publications that would just like to have um, something like that that gives you a laugh. Yes. Uh, anyone else? Well, I've got one. It's not as good as Dell's. It's uh, just a very short list. Actually, I was having problems coming up with ideas. Um, anyway, I've got teach your grandfather how to play a video game. Paint a picture of your grandmother's cat. Go into the garden and pick dandelions. 
go to the mall and look for a friendly face, smile at it, sing me a song, eat your vegetables, pretend that pizza is a vegetable, skip around the block. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> pretend pizza is a vegetable. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to hop in and say that uh, when I was a child, it would have taken me 400 dandelions to get to, to $20. So, big <laughs> <Good> job. <laughs> big lawn. Uh, I, I, I had in mind, um, show me how to diagram a sentence. Uh, let me teach you how to crochet. Buy a carton of ice cream directly. Bring it from the store without letting it melt. Um, write a letter with cursive handwritten <laughs> words. And... Uh, I think that was it. Yes. Not as funny as Dale's. Chris, did you write one? I did, but mine's, oops. I did, but mine's not funny at all. <laughs> I shall, I shall, I'll, I'll read, but if I find it, wait a minute. Wait. We can decide yeah. on that. <laughs> oh, no, you'll know right away. <laughs> um, I start off as like, okay, kid, I'm pretty self-centered right now, and I have some limitations. So I'm going to ask you to do some things for me, but they're not very silly. So first, please go and clean the outside of my French door windows opening onto my patio. They're very dirty, and I can't see out very well. Show me how to delete some stuff off my old computer so it works better. <laughs> Fix the wheel on my walker. It won't turn. It's stuck. Water the plant on my patio. Hold the door open so that I can get out on my scooter. And bring your dog over for a visit. Aw. Those are nice. Great. I like that. That's <laughs> great. Uh, yeah. They're just not very funny. Yes, but it's great. <laughs> They're very practical. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah, Charlotte, I like to teach, uh, learn how to crochet. <laughs> Let me teach you. Watch me. Let me teach you how to crochet. For 20 bucks. <laughs> I can imagine. One of, one of the characters in my book is a boy that for 20 pounds stole the mystery tarot cards. <laughs> <laughs> that was what he was paid 20 pounds for. Oh, wow. But, but then he got caught. <laughs> Had no idea there was a connection to your book. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of a connection to your book, I'm going to do a surprise reading. And this is from the Brighton Tarot Card Mystery. And I was ah. wondering, when I heard that title, I thought, what? on earth could that be about? What kind of stories could be in there? Uh, and it's called The Scrubbing Woman. She scrubbed the cheap linoleum floor without purpose or intention. It wasn't dirty. She just scrubbed the floor and scrubbed and scrubbed, and then she scrubbed some more. She scrubbed to save her sanity. There was an occasional pause when she would stare blankly at the floor while her mind listened to the voices. And then she would dip her brush in the pail 
and scrubbed some more. It wasn't as if there had ever been dirt there at one time. It's just that scrubbing was something she knew how to do. And as long as she could force herself to scrub, the beast in her mind was held at bay. The rage behind the powerless terror was ready. There in ready to pounce and drive her over the edge into insanity. Everything was wrong. The farm was gone, the house, the boy, and the horses, those beautiful matching Hirschmans that had won her top honors at Branton Country Fair almost seven years ago now. The bank had taken everything they could, and now everything was gone. So she scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed while her three-year-old son watched. Bobby watched. He watched from the corner of the room, the corner near the front door where the deep of winter lay just beyond. He didn't say anything. He just watched her scrub. Even at three, he knew something was wrong. He could feel the fear but couldn't see the danger. It was something concealed and nameless, some unseen threat to this scrubbing woman on whom his life depended. Not understanding how this could be, he vaguely understood her life depended on having a floor to scrub. Silent, he watched her scrub the floor with water from a bucket to which her silent tears were added. The intensity of the feelings caused him to find some distraction and look away, but soon his eyes would return to watch the scrubbing woman. She scrubbed. She didn't know what else to do to keep from hearing the emotional pain overwhelm her. It wasn't the poverty, nor was it the war that raged in Europe that in a year or two would demand her eldest child as fodder from the war machine. How did her dream world become the nightmare of this reality? Her husband, who had been a part of the dream come true, had been crushed by his failure to succeed at farming. He had taken on the responsibility for three years of drought and the lowest price on the record for the meager wheat crop that was produced. He took no notice of the hundreds of other farmers forced into bankruptcy by years of little or no rain, unsympathetic banks, and an impotent government that offered little in the way of support. It was his fault, or so he believed. So to hide the shame of his failure, he found alcohol in the misery of fellow imbibers that shared his story with shame of their own. She scrubbed and scrubbed the spot, seeing dirt that many may have existed only in her mind. She scrubbed to erase the wound that was almost too much to endure. Her shame was that she offered herself to him sexually, wanting to feel loved, wanting to feel worthy, and to extinguish the persistent belief that she was not. It was completely unintentional and unintended that she had become pregnant. This accidental child had grown within her. It validated her belief, beaten into her in childhood, that she was a mistake not worthy of being loved. That shame burned in her belly along with the growing fetus. Maybe it was postpartum depression or the loss of her dreams or the emotional abandonment of her mate or the combination of them all that drove her to want to escape into death. Not wanting to keep remembering the pain in the last nine years, the bankruptcy, the fear, the shame, the fighting over the alcoholic episodes, she scrubbed. 
Nothing good existed in her life beyond the floor and this scrub brush. So she scrubbed and she cried. Bobby watched her scrub. Although unaware of the source, he could feel the depth of her despair. He felt her sorrow, but was unaware that this woman, who was his world, had come face to face with something that threatened her profoundly. He was also unaware that it was a profound threat to him as well. It wasn't wisdom that described to him the danger of this situation. It was his natural animal instinct for survival that he responded to. His gestation was not as a wanted child, conceived in love, with sweet birds singing on the windowsill. Indeed, during his time in utero, along with the blood that brought him the nutrients from which he thrived, he was awash in the hormones of guilt, shame, fear, and the dark, threatening energy of the anger interchanges external to his amniotic environment. All were the vibrations from which he prepared to meet the world beyond. No, he did not think in material terms, as he had no concept of the material world, but he knew about energy, and instinctively, he knew which was a nurturing vibration and which vibration represented danger. She already had her kids. She wanted no more. She had sought advice from her mother about the possibility of contracting an abortion doctor in Winnipeg, but the advice she received was to never invest in regret, legal or not. And he watched, as he watched, she scrubbed. It wasn't possible that he understood that his mother could never abandon her obligation to her child's safety and survival to the extent of her own life. Neither of them was aware that her innate duty to nurture the child would also keep her alive. The gift of her accidental pregnancy was to give her someone to love and a reason to have an intensely bleak, loveless time in her life. For Bobby, the wound in the newborn received through the circumstances of the pregnancy and birth provided the plot line from which he would write the story of his life. He would seek continually to change the belief that he was flawed in some concealed way, creating a purpose to existence in a senseless world. However, there was still the threat of a nervous breakdown that might push her over the edge. There was this was the primary threat to Bobby's existence and the other threats, an alcoholic father, a rageful brother whose mother's love he had stolen were all of lesser importance at the moment. This child was the reason his mother would stay alive and stay sane, but also just as true, the circumstance of his conception and subsequent birth was a major contributor to the source of her pain. So here were two people, a woman on her knees, fighting to find the courage to stay sane and alive, if only for the care and safety of this flesh she had generated, and a child, unaware of the psychological implications, wanting reassurance, reassurance that he was safe. He had enough of silent watching and arose to walk to his mother. With arms reaching out, he sought to be picked up. She understood that the child only wanted to be loved, so she dropped the scrub brush in the bucket along with the unresolved traumas and picked Bobby up and held him close. The epilogue, the
the scrubbing woman became the anonymous mom at the grocery store as a just plain in a just plain folks neighborhood and lived to be 90. The child having been born to a lost child into a lost generation decided he would not die a lost adult and lived a life of adventure. The adventure continues. Okay. And that is by Re- mm. Neil Ryan. Yeah. Mm. So, so I thought that really connected to the things that you're saying about feelings, both looking forward into the future and seeing how what you do or what we do now might affect someone such as a child. And then looking at the lightheartedness that we could uh, share and re- reflect things about our life in giving a child a list of things to do for 20 bucks. <laughs> so any comments or thoughts? I hope everybody knows that that's my mother the story is about. I kind of suspected that, Neil. It felt so very personal. Um, and I like the image of scrubbing as a metaphor for, you know, mm-hmm. trying to stay safe, trying to stay sane, trying to um, improve your life, heal your life, make whatever's wrong with your life better by just scrubbing the bad things away. Well, although I don't remember the incident, my mother told my wife and I overheard the conversation about how her sanity was kept alive to keep me alive. Anyway, hey, that's uh, 78 years ago, so <laughs> a lot a lot of water's gone under the bridge since then. I think it just shows, you know, at any age, the opportunity that we have with writing, how writing can do so much, you know, gives people things to think about, helps people to understand what others meant in their life. It also just helps us work through some of the pains in our own life. So I encourage you to continue writing. And next week, we're going to have, you'll have an opportunity to comment. You know, we said that you can listen, you can comment. Uh, Those who want to uh, participate or share or research things are welcome to do it. But we're going to have an intergenerational conversation about top three issues, environmental issues. And... um, So I welcome you to come. And then also we will have probably within that time, if there's a poem or something creative, you see from from, uh, Chris and the people that made lists, Chris and Leslie, that lists also generate things that you can talk about that are political issues or or, uh, social issues today. So I, I will look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for taking part today. Remember to tell a friend. You can give them the number or you can have them email me at pbaafc at gmail.com. That stands for Powered by Age, Age Friendly City. pbaafc at gmail.com. Okay, so we'll look forward to next week. For those of you who are listening, if you hear this on our website or you hear it on any of the Spotify or other podcast locations, you know that you too can join in with us live. Just send an email and we will send you the sign-in information so that you can be a part of the Living, Breathing podcast creation team. 
Thank you, Charlotte. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Charlotte. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Delsa. Thank you, Ramona.